Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. Hello. Hello. First TED Talk was most excellent. Which TED Talk? First TED Talk. I'll get it. Oh. I see. I don't get to get it. I got it. Well, if I explain I it. it. <laughs> no, it's okay, Em. I get that I don't get to get it. <laughs> It's not that complicated. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's weird to have to explain. <laughs> Do you get that I get that I don't have to get it? Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm kind of punky today. <laughs> That's okay. I like my Erica punky. Thank you. <laughs> today we'll be discussing Easy Magic by Kristen Proby. After her grandmother dies, Mallory decides to eschew her psychic gifts in favor of a normal life with as little connection to the dearly departed as possible. However, one fateful night, her shop in the French Quarter gets waterlogged, which forces her to finally interact with her landlord, Sirius CEO Bo. The chemistry is amazing and things seem so easy, but can she adjust to his affluent lifestyle? And can he accept her spooky side and the dangers it brings? There will be spoilers beyond this point. We have a content warning for kidnapping and child murder referenced, but off the page. Well, Erica, do you think we should talk about Mallory's grandmother first and sort of what she was dealing with right before she died? Yes, I think that's a good starting point. It kind of informs the entire rest of the story, really. We get a prologue at the beginning where Mallory is 16 years old and her grandmother is passing away, like right there, and they have a final conversation. But essentially, her grandmother is a famous, or was a famous psychic who worked with the police in New York, even though she lives in New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we have any listeners in Louisiana. Sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> I only have snarky things, so I'm just going to be quiet. <laughs> That's probably fair. <laughs> Good idea. So the grandmother has used her psychic powers throughout her life to find missing children. And she was very good at it. One of her powers, which Mallory, our heroine, does not share, is being able to psychically, quote, see living people in addition to dead people. And that helped her with her work with the police. However, she was very open, like her mind, her psychic mind was very open because of this. And a psychic killer, psychic psycho, <laughs> Which they actually use that in the book too. Psychic Psycho. Gets in her head, literally, and manages to psychically murder her, essentially. And it's not like a big, like, stab, stab, now you're dead killing. It's more like she's psychically injured and unable to heal from it. And that kills her. Did I explain that right? I think that's what happened. Yeah, that's the impression that I got. I, yeah. Okay. I, I guess the tricky thing for me was is I don't really understand it, but I think I get what the author meant. 
Yeah, and to be fair, it kind of, I think, is a tropey thing in paranormal psychic crime type books, which I've read quite a number of, <laughs> where Yay. if your mind is too open, bad things can get in mm -hmm. and hurt you. So I think the author did kind of do a good job tapping into that aspect of it. Oh, hey, let's bring that in mm -hmm. a little bit here. We do like our consequences. Yeah. As a result of her grandmother's choices to rescue missing children. Yes, use her powers for good. She died. This has only cemented Mallory's decision to close herself off as much as possible and not use her powers whatsoever. Yep. The powers pass on through Mallory's father's side of the family. So every woman in that side of the family has some sort of psychic ability. Mallory's ability is being a medium. So seeing dead people, helping them pass, being able to have dreams, kind of prophetic-ish. And then she also has an empathic ability where when she touches somebody, she's able to, not even able to, like she she knows what they're feeling. <laughs> um, involuntarily, yes. even. She mainlines the feels. When she doesn't touch people, she can still pick up on that stuff if she wants to. But when she's touching someone, it's not really something that she's able to control very well. She, as a result, does not like touching people. <laughs> no touchy-touchy. And also has a very interesting relationship with place. She doesn't want to live somewhere where spirits are. <laughs> <laughs> She, she wants to be somewhere where it's safe for her to kind of let down her guard and, and whatnot. So living in New Orleans can be a bit tricky for her because it is such a historical city and there's a lot of ghostiness in the city. So Mallory is now 26 years old. After her grandmother died, she moved in with her BFF, Lena, and Lena's grandmother, Sophia, Lena and Sophia also have psychic ability and they're witches too, which is a separate but cool thing that we don't learn much about. There's this sense that we get that this is not something that they are out to many people about. Something that will label them as wacky or worse. <laughs> mm -hmm. And as a result, Mallory doesn't really have very many close friends either because... She can't really be herself around them. She has opened a shop that sells essential oils, herbs, lotions, and soaps. And she's very successful. And she likes to tap into that aspect of her powers and knowledge. You know, she still wants to help people. She just doesn't want to be open in her mind because of the trauma associated with losing her grandmother. I think we're ready to start the story now. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss anything? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean... Yeah, that was really info dumpy, but... Yeah, but you really need that information to better understand later aspects of the story. 
I think knowing it up front kind of will help with possible commentary later. Mallory has finished a day at work at her shop. She's recently hired a an assistant, which is awesome. So now she can take some personal time. And she's having dinner with her found family, Sophia and Lena. They're discussing Lena's love life. Lena apparently likes to go out and have fun. She's not super serious about it yet, though. Mallory suggests that Lena might be interested in dating Bo, who is Mallory's landlord. He owns the shop and he's currently living in the flat, the apartment above the shop. And they kind of discuss Bo a little bit and you get the impression immediately that Lena and Sophia are both like, yeah, no, you're going to be hooking up with Bo. Sorry, Mallory. (laughs) (laughs) Stop trying to give him to someone else. He is yours. (laughs) Mallory is kind of in denial about it, which jumping into this series, this is the fifth book in a series. So jumping in, I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about these people. So all right, then. But we do know that when Mallory has touched Bo, the one time that she met him, she didn't get the normal influx of crazy emotions or unwanted whatever's what she got was calmness, which was very nice, but also weird for her. That night, Mallory goes home and she has a dream about her childhood home flooding. As she's waking up, she hears her grandmother saying to go check on her shop. She goes to the shop and realizes that it's being flooded and there's actually a leaky pipe in the roof coming from the ceiling fan in the bathroom and there's about three inches of water throughout the shop and it's a big deal. It's about 4 a.m. Lena goes upstairs and wakes Bo up to let him know about the problem. I'm actually glad it was just leaky pipes. I was thinking, oh no, what did Bo do in his bathroom? (laughs) Bo is of course very solicitous and you get the impression right away Mallory thinks Bo is hot. Bo thinks Mallory is hot. They have the chemistry. Bo is ready to go (laughs) with that. Mallory is like, yeah, no, I keep distance from everybody because of my no touchy thing. Because I think in part that Bo thinks Mallory is hot and wants to get with her, but also because he's a nice guy, he responds to Mallory's plight immediately. At first, he's like, oh, it's probably going to take a couple days. And Mallory says, no, that will kill my business. I can't be closed for a couple days. And so he's like, okay, well, we'll figure it out right now. And so he calls his brother, Eli, and Eli and his wife, Kate, come to help clean up the shop and help turn off the building's water. And then Bo calls his family's contractor and gets a plumber sent out to help right that day and everything and meanwhile Mallory does her business out on the sidewalk that day even though she doesn't have the permits for it Bo's like it's fine no one will care and it's true no one cares (laughs) she makes good business that day actually probably better than she would have otherwise so yay (laughs) I guess I guess I should just point this out now because I'm probably going to just say it a lot otherwise so this is the fifth book in the series and a lot of times with romance books You can jump in at any point and it's fine, but I kind of feel like we made a mistake here because we have a lot of people that I'm pretty sure came from earlier books 
Yeah. They make cameos and are side characters in this book. So there's going to be a lot of name dropping and I have no investment in any of these people because I've just jumped in right here in book five. I don't think that's a problem with the book necessarily. I think that's just me jumping in in book five. Did you feel that way too? Or do you think that there was some bigger issue with name dropping? I don't know. I guess it's <laughs> this is going to make me sound terrible. I think because I invest so little in general, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> the okay. name dropping will be like, okay, well, I don't really get that, but fine, whatever. And just move on. Yeah. When I looked over the earlier books in the series, just sort of did like a cursory sort of perusal, they didn't seem like they had any kind of things that would meet our Halloween criteria. You know, Halloween episode, yay. Yeah. So it's sort of like non-paranormal and then the whatever fifth or sixth book this is in the series, paranormal and then back to not. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, when I was originally <laughs> looking for books to go on our, you know, possible Halloween book list. Yes, happy Halloween, everyone. Yay. I just picked ones, obviously, that, that met that sort of spooky-ish thing we were looking for, or paranormal or whatever. Right. Maybe I'm wrong, but they weren't. it wasn't mentioned in the summary if they were paranormal. Oh, that is so interesting. So this series covers the members of Bo's family. Each book is about one of his siblings, I believe. And this is book five, so we should probably already know quite a bit about Bo at this point, I would imagine, just from background info earlier on. As readers jumping in here, we don't really get the benefit of any background info that the author may have provided. And also, we get a bunch of cameos for characters that happened in earlier books that we know nothing about. So please take my commentary with a grain of salt <laughs> on those lines. Because <laughs> I'm fully willing to give the author a pass on all that stuff. Because I've read plenty of books where, yeah, you get to like the fourth or fifth book and you're waiting for this character's book. You know, and you're like, oh, finally. Mm-hmm. So I could see this possibly being one of those, maybe. But it isn't for me, obviously. I do want to read the other books because I kind of want to see how or if there is development of Bo in earlier books. And then maybe even Mallory, too, because she is part of the friend group of all the women that are referenced. So Bo's sisters are friends with Mallory, kind of. And the wives of Bo's brothers are also all in this friend group. Yeah, I mean, there probably, there might be. But I mean, those other books would focus on the other characters, so I don't know. Depends on the author. So anyway, back to the story. Mallory's had a busy day out on the sidewalk selling her wares. Bo has been kind of helping clean up the shop and handling everything this whole time. And he has the bright idea he's going to go get takeout dinner and surprise Mallory because he wants to get to know her. He's interested in her. He wants to pursue something. When he brings his takeout, he realizes Mallory's already eating takeout with her friend. But her friend conveniently is like, oh, no, it's fine. I have somewhere to go. 
all of a sudden. And Mallory's like, oh, I'm starving. I haven't eaten all day, so I will gladly eat your takeout as well. They sit and talk, and it's cute. He is very flirty with her. He has noticed earlier in the day that Mallory tries not to touch people on purpose. And he makes an effort to, like, give her slight touches, which kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. A little bit. He he notices she doesn't like being touched, and so he touches her. <laughs> And, and they're very innocent touches, like he'll touch her hand or put her hair behind her ear. Like very innocent, quote, flirty touches. But it's like, dude. Yeah, that was very much the power of romance sort of working. Because, of course, <laughs> no, that's how she figures out, like, oh, he's, I'm not trying to be cruel, but like a dud. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's Exactly, safe. like, oh, I get, I get no unpleasant energies off of this dude. Because he's sort of pushing her boundaries, but at the same time, it's like, that was a happy accident. Because otherwise, it's like, what the flaming fuck are you doing? I know. And he he realizes, too, as he's doing these flirty touches, he notices that she always initially seems a little apprehensive, but then also relieved, like, immediately after. Yeah, I... He, he doesn't understand that at all. He's kind of chalking it up to maybe a past abusive relationship or something. As someone who has been repeatedly touched by strangers because they just feel like they can for whatever the fucking reason. You just have one of those faces. Maybe. <laughs> this, this happened not this long ago. Somebody asked me, oh, are you cold? And then put their hand on me. I'm like, I am capable uh -huh. of speech. You have heard me speak. <laughs> I can tell you whether or not I am cold. You do not have to put your hands on me to find out. <laughs> I don't know why you want to do that. <laughs> Luckily, I exude like severe don't touch me energy to the point that people ask if they can hug me if they really, really want to. Yeah, it, it, it can be really hit or miss. Like some people... <laughs> get that off of me and some people don't but yeah no it's just it's one of those things and i'm so used to it at this point that i'm like you know kind of brush it off and later i'm like what the actual fuck you shouldn't have to get used to that sort of thing though like <laughs> bodily autonomy should be just a thing you know where people don't feel like they can just get all touchy-feely with you without permission yeah, well you know i'm pretty aware like i usually look for some sort of indication if I want to touch someone and there is not some sort of pre-discussed or pre-understanding, if you will. Some people in your life, yeah. there's a pre-understanding, like, my hand is going to be on you. That sounds weird. That's <laughs> I made it weird. But yeah, no, I am just, there's a certain level of like, oh, fuck, they're going to touch me. Like, <laughs> just, I, I don't know. I don't know why they can't just not... <laughs> I don't know what about me gives them permission or makes them think they have it. Yeah, I, I don't know. And <laughs> so, yeah, I was pretty pissed at Bo. I'm like, what the actual fuck, dude? <laughs> I know. I think consent for touching is kind of a, a deal. It's kind of a thing. I'm willing to give a hero a pass in general if he's doing light, flirty, casual touches. Except in this case, he's noticed that she doesn't like that. Yes. Yeah. 
No, perception, but... (laughs) Clearly the synapses aren't firing appropriately, or something. He's not making some sort of connection. Oh, but my touch will be fine. And I tried, I tried to be, I tried to do my thing where I'm making excuses for him. Like, oh, it's fine. He's realizing she likes it after, you know, he he did it the first time as like a quote test. And then he realizes that she liked it. And that's why he continued or whatever. But then there's a point later in the book. I think he thinks in his head something like she seemed to be getting used to him touching her. Or he says to her even that she seems to get used to him touching her. Like he's he's settling a horse yes. or something, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, dude, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a lot. I can't I can't make excuses for you anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, no, that's not cool. She is not a wild <laughs> horse that needs to get used to you touching her. Ew. But <laughs> unfortunately, that's that's a metaphor that is used not infrequently. <sighs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Guys, if you have to get a woman used to touching you, you're doing something wrong. It's just... <laughs> She should want to. Okay. Yeah, no. I I was not making excuses <laughs> and for if Bo. She doesn't I was just want irritated, to. but going, well, it's romance. So. <laughs> that was your excuse. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it was sort of like, well, you know it's you know it's going to be okay cuz he's the hero. Whether or not it is okay or should be okay, you know that that's the attitude of the book. I couldn't help but compare Mallory's experience as like an empath or whatever to other, again, paranormal crime type books that I've read. And it is kind of a tropey thing where if you're an empath character, you don't want to touch other people because it's uncomfortable for mm-hmm. you, right? So that all made sense. But in those books, there's usually a conversation, you know, if there's a romance plot in the story, they have a talk with their possible romantic partner about it and like oh well i don't know if i can or they try it and and the care like the empath takes the first touch to see what it's like first and it's not unusual for their romantic interest to be kind of like beau where they get a sense of calmness or whatever or they're shielded from that person in some way so all of that is fine, except that in other books that I've read with those sorts of interactions and those sorts of characters, it's always the empath character taking the lead on it. And then you get around like any weird sticky consent issues, because the one who's most likely to get hurt by the interaction is the one initiating it. It makes sense. I can see it happening that way. I can see it happening like, even the way he did it but then she doesn't say like hey don't do that like she doesn't tell him not to honestly i think it could have been solved really easily if Bo had just said hey is it okay if i touch you yeah, <laughs> yeah. or even if he doesn't like pick up that she doesn't like it and then yeah just... if he hasn't noticed ahead yeah, of time exactly <laughs> like maybe because some people are just touchy Seriously. they just they are and yeah. so he would do that, yeah, especially are. if he knows that, like, oh, she's in the friend group circle thing. 
and does it not thinking. Yeah. Then it's a thing, and then they talk about it, and then there's consent or whatever. I would have been okay with that. But yeah, it's like, a, oh, she doesn't like this. Poke, poke. Oh, look, it's fine. I'm the hero. Poke, poke. <laughs> anyway. All right. To just just put a cap, just to put a good, good solid cap of uncomfortability on this evening together. Feel awkward yet? <laughs> he gives her a hug and then kisses her forehead before they part ways for the evening. Hmm. I'm just like, dude, really? <laughs> Can you not? <laughs> you know what? Even if this part of the book was written from Mallory's perspective, it would have been better. Because then we know what she was thinking in those moments. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're in, we're in Bo's head and he's like, oh my God, she's so fucking hot. I wish I could have sex with her right now. I better leave. <laughs> oh my God, dude. That evening, after they part ways, Mallory goes home and she's having trouble sleeping. And part of the reason she's having trouble sleeping is because she is very attracted to Bo and she has enjoyed being touched by Bo, but she's also kind of freaking out a little bit about how she can't read Bo's emotions. She knows he has emotions. She can see him, his facial expressions his eyes, he emotes, but she doesn't read the psychic emotional stuff. <laughs> How do I say that? She doesn't feel it. <laughs> she doesn't get it from him other than, than just like a normal person might. A normal person. <laughs> just like a non-empath might. The next day, Mallory and Lena meet up and they discuss Bo. And Lena is sitting in the chair where Bo was sitting and she can pick up on his energy and she basically knows exactly what Bo was thinking that night. <laughs> she's she's in Bo's head a little bit, I think, and kind of sharing a little bit about that and is all in on the idea of Mallory hooking up with Bo. Yeah, go ride that horse, Mallory. <laughs> go rope that pony. And when Bo shows up after a run, really, he just wants to see Mallory, but he has the pretext of checking in to see how the shop is going now. Lena nopes out immediately, abandoning Mallory so she and Bo can be alone. She goes into the next room. Bo is telling Mallory how he's going to put in a claim for his insurance, but he'll go ahead and pay for her damages now and then asks her out to dinner. And then Lena from the other room, who's been listening in, accepts on Mallory's behalf. <laughs> Basically, she's like, yes, yes, she wants to go out with you. After Bo leaves, Mallory tells Lena, hey, I can't, like, I'll just go on the date wearing what I wear because I don't have time to go home and change now. Thanks. Lena says, oh, no, I'll bring you something from your closet. And then she brings a very sexy dress that Mallory does not remember owning. For Mallory to change into and she's looking hot Bo shows up and brings forget-me-nots which is coincidentally the favorite flower of both of them and also match Mallory's eyes Bo takes Mallory out for barbecue one of the very first things he wants to know is who hurt her <laughs> and I guess I guess it's just he's he's ready he's all in already he wants to know 
everything in her head all the time. And he has experience with someone who has been hurt by a partner and now has issues with being touched as a result. So he's kind of thinking, well, maybe that's why Mallory doesn't like to Mm -hmm. be touched. Mallory says, oh, I wasn't hurt, but I don't want to talk about this. Stop. And to Bo's credit, he lets the subject drop for now. And then Mallory says she admits to him that she doesn't really date that much and she doesn't really know how to play the dating game. And this is the point where Bo says he isn't really playing a game. He's just into her and wants to spend time with her. And they have a conversation about how they're going to be honest with each other. That's really important to Bo. He wants complete transparency. And Mallory does too, or she seems to. It seems fine. After dinner, he takes her to see the new house that he's having built on a property that he bought in an older neighborhood. Mallory is initially a little concerned because it's an older neighborhood, but when she finds out it's a new construction, she is a bit relieved because I guess spirits don't stay associated if you destroy the house Mm -hmm. they're haunting. That's good to know. Y'all, if you live in a haunted house, just raise the building and build a new one. You'll be fine. The more you know, you need fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Bo takes Mallory on a tour of the house. It's still under construction, but he's showing her all the different things that the house is going to have. Mallory likes how the energy in the house feels. It feels a lot like Bo to her. Very calm, very chill, very relaxing. It's a nice feeling. It's the feeling that she appreciates from places. And they come across a small kind of weird triangular shaped room. Mallory really likes this room. She says it has wonderful energy and that it shouldn't just be used for storage. Bo is super into showing Mallory his house. He likes that she's enjoying seeing the house. I think at this point he's already picturing her living in the house. He kisses her. They make out. And then he takes her home because he's trying to be gentlemanly and not fuck her on a construction site, which is good. The next day, Mallory gets an email from the New York Police Department asking for help on a case and Mallory deletes the email. This calls back to the whole thing with her grandmother. Mallory does not want to open herself up to help and also she's unable to psychically find living people like her grandmother was so she doesn't have that particular skill that the police need either and so she just deletes the email is like no i refuse no no after that she goes to see her friend charlie who is Bo's sister charlie owns a store nearby and i think i was i suspect charlie is the heroine from the previous book because i'm i'm suspecting that this is how mallory got introduced as charlie's acquaintance slash friend while mallory is visiting with charlie she decides to tell her everything she wants to get advice from someone who knows Bo, but also knows that she's psychic she reveals to charlie that she's psychic but she can't read Bo. And Charlie hugs her, which gives Mallory the impression immediately with her empathic ability that Charlie thinks Bo needs Mallory in his life. And then Charlie says she shouldn't feel like she has to tell Bo that she's psychic unless she thinks it could get serious, in which case she should. And Charlie doesn't really have any issues with any of that. 
And not only that, but Charlie is kind of totally cool with the whole psychic thing. And she says, yeah, I won't tell anyone. Make sure you don't tell Gabby, who's one of the other sisters, about it because they think there's a ghost at the inn that Gabby owns. And she'll want Mallory to do a seance. And Mallory kind of jumps on this. She's like, you know, that actually might be fun. Maybe I will do a seance. And I think this is the point where Mallory has decided, you know what? I opened up. I told someone I was psychic. They didn't act like I was crazy or horrible. So maybe it's okay. Maybe I could share this a little bit. We don't get a whole lot of that in the text, but I think that's what the author was doing with that. Maybe. Mallory has agreed that she's going to do a seance with Charlie and Gabby and all the other girls in the crew. So the sisters and wives from previous books, I think. Yes, that's what I thought. A few days pass and now Bo and Charlie are having lunch and Charlie hints at Mallory's baggage. And that's the word she uses, which kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But she's like, yeah, so Mallory has some stuff. You need to give her a chance to open up to you. Don't just expect it all to come out right away. If not baggage, what word would you have preferred? I don't think there is a good word. I think that Charlie's saying, hey, you know... Mallory takes a while to open up to people. Please don't pressure her Mm -hmm. is sufficient. Yeah. I don't think she needs to say baggage or allude to any specific thing. It could just be a personality trait of Mallory's. And I feel it was almost a bit of a betrayal of their friendship. Yeah. Honestly, which it doesn't read this way in the book at all. It's not treated this way at all, but I would be fucking pissed If I went and I opened up about my, quote, baggage to my friend, and then they immediately tell their brother all about it, like, that would bother me (laughs) a lot. Yeah, no, I would, I would be mad. (laughs) But this, this family is very open with each other, very transparent. That's probably where Bo gets it from. It seems like that's pretty common in lots of romances. (laughs) Everybody's just so open with everything. So there's no need to worry about anybody's boundaries or what might make them uncomfortable because they're all okay with it which sometimes seems weird to me depending on the experiences of the characters that they would just be so okay i wouldn't say it's romances i would say it's more like chiclet okay and romances can kind of fall into that category a Mm -hmm. bit sometimes but not all of them do but i think there's like a fluffy quality to that subgenre where everyone gossips and yeah. it's fine. Yeah, it's things like that that sort of make it difficult for me to relate. You were saying like you'd be upset if you confided in someone and then they immediately went and told their brother. Yeah, it just it makes it difficult to oh, relate. Yeah. <laughs> and even to Charlie, because I'm assuming she's yeah. The heroine of another book, it would make it difficult to relate to her. Yeah, that she's this type of person that would do that. It got to me, it rubbed me the wrong way. And like I say, the story doesn't treat it that way whatsoever. It's very passive, really, in the story. I I don't even know why it was there. Like, what was the point of Charlie telling Bo that? I don't know. Because Bo doesn't use that for anything. That doesn't come up again. It's there to 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 put words on a page because <laughs> what other purpose does it serve it doesn't create drama especially when a lot of stories are very telly 
So I got the first conversation, Mallory talking to Charlie. That made sense. It Mm -hmm. moved the plot forward, right? Because Mallory wanted advice from someone who knew both of them. Makes total sense. And honestly, I think it is a little bit weird for Mallory to expect Charlie to not tell anyone anything without having a conversation with her about it. Like, yeah, don't talk to your brother, who I know you're extremely open with about this, you know? Yeah. I think... (laughs) But then Mallory doesn't get upset about it. She doesn't even know it happened. Yeah. So it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but I think, I think honestly, if Mallory had had the conversation with Charlie and then she would have had to say something like, oh, before I talk to you about this, please don't tell Bo. I, I don't want him to know. And Charlie agreed and then betrays her. Then there's yes. some drama there, right? But that doesn't happen. Or if Mallory doesn't give a shit that Charlie shares it with Bo, she doesn't really think about it or it doesn't bother her or whatever, like it happened on the page. And then Charlie tells Bo and then Bo uses that knowledge in some way. Mm -hmm. That would have been fine, too. But I didn't see evidence of that. Yeah, No, I I think maybe it's just unclear. Maybe the author, what the author intended and what the readers are picking up on are just not quite on the same page. I'm sure that there's a tone for these characters that has developed over the course of these books as well that we're not privy to. Possibly. Okay, so Bo is really jonesing for another dose of Mallory. He can't wait to see her again. And so he stops by her store and asks her out for that evening. Like, hey, you do anything tonight? Please say no. (laughs) Uh, Mallory agrees to hang out. It's just about closing time anyways. They go for a walk to see Bo's other brother, Declan, play at the Odyssey, which is like a bar. Later, later, later in the book, it's mentioned that Declan plays saxophone. But up until that point, I had no fucking clue what Declan was doing at the Odyssey. He was playing some sort of music. (laughs) Some sort of music was happening at the Odyssey. Callie, I think, is a bartender there, or maybe they own it. I don't know, because they're all rich. But she's Declan's wife, so another prior couple, probably, from the series. When she sees Mallory and Bo come in, she's super happy to see them together, of course. And she talks about, oh, I can't wait for girls' night. And Mallory's like, yeah, but we don't need to talk about that in front of anybody. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And Callie's, (laughs) oh, no, of course not. And Bo is like, why don't I get to find out what's happening on girls' night, though? Like, why aren't you telling me this? I want to know the things. What th- what things are you doing? I need to know all the things. I need to live inside your mind, Mallory. I need to know all the things. Okay, and I'm not being fair to Bo, really, because the way it's written in the book is he's really flirty about it. It's casual. Mallory's not bothered by it whatsoever. It's just cute, flirty conversation. It's just me with my own issues, I guess, projecting. <laughs> no, he didn't seem so flirty in the audio version. Oh, really? Did he seem nosy? It didn't. Yeah, it seemed more nosy, more. (laughs) Maybe that was just me picking up on something that wasn't there. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's you with your issues. Maybe. (laughs) You're bringing your baggage to the table, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so many jokes. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) The table couldn't hold the weight of my baggage. Sorry. I'm just thinking, like, it's not just one thing. It's, like, little compartmentalized. (laughs) I was thinking more like Tetris. 
But the thing is with this Bo character is that the way he's written is just very sweet, very lovey, very cuddly, very flirty. He's like openly flirty, shamelessly flirty. He makes it no secret that he's into Mallory. Mallory likes this. She's into it the whole time. There's no point where she's not into it. But it's just ticking all these little red flags in my head. I'm like, he's going to abuse her. Oh, my God. And and it's not like it's not at all (laughs) in the book. Not at all. He is perfect and wonderful and cuddly. But why does he need to know everything? I don't understand. (laughs) Like, Why can't she have any secrets? (laughs) Why do you need to know what happens on girls night? (laughs) Why are you touching her when you know she doesn't like being touched? Like, stop. Yeah. And it makes sense, you know, lived experiences of people versus characters and possibly age differences, things that are okay at certain ages. We tend to not be as tolerant of them later because we've learned shit. This man is 37 years old. Yeah. How old is she? I can't remember. 26. There's a pretty big age gap, too. Plus, with her being so closed off from people, she'd be a quote-unquote young 26, I would assume. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of a red flag in and of itself, too. Yeah. (laughs) Just saying. But none of that is a thing in this book whatsoever. All of this is fine and above board and everyone's in on it. Everyone's happy. So, don't worry, guys. Yeah, no, no. I mean, Mallory, (laughs) at least in in the audio version, like, she... Which, as I think about it, I don't know if this would be true of the character, but she seems more more worldly, less naive. But, I mean, really, there are parts in the story where you're just like, hmm, what I'm being told about this character and how this character is behaving or how the story is going doesn't seem to jive. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I feel like I'm being really, really critical, and I think it does have to do with my issues or whatever, right? I think a part of it does. But part of it, I think, too, is just these things are all things that I think if they were written just slightly differently, they wouldn't ping my radar. Maybe. Even with the way that it's written, I think it's intended to be lighthearted and fun. I think the book is intended to be lighthearted and fun. Yes, absolutely. I agree. But it does, for reasons... Maybe the reasons found with the reader, maybe the reasons found with the writer. I mean, I don't know. I don't know Proby's life. But yeah, it's it's skirting those warning signs. Yeah, it could be fine. And it's, it's that, that tricky thing with series anyway, because were we to see these characters later in the series, like I've said with other books, they'll be fine. Everything will be happy, happy, joy, joy. Yeah, like every other couple that we have a cameo of in this book, they're totally fine. They're happy. They're together. They love each other. Yay. Yeah. And it just makes you wonder. (laughs) Well, it's the mystique of the happily ever after. It's just not very realistic. So it gets a little creepy the longer it goes on, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Halloween, everyone. (laughs) Boo. Are they happy? I don't know. Is it a Stepford mm. Wives situation? Mm. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> okay, back to the story. They have fun watching Declan play music of some kind. 
and then walk back to the store and Bo invites Mallory up to his apartment and Mallory accepts. They go upstairs. They start making out. It's hot and heavy. It's exciting. It's wonderful. A ghost is there. She seems angry. Her name is Miss Louisa. Mallory is ignoring Miss Louisa. And then Miss Louisa makes a mirror fall off the wall onto the floor. Bo is is like, well, you know, maybe the nail just got pulled out of the wall. I think that mirror has always been there. Mallory's like, no, it was Miss Louisa who broke the mirror. Bo's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Mallory says, I see dead people. And explains that Miss Louisa is a ghost. (laughs) And she made the mirror fall because she was upset. She goes on to explain, you know, every woman in her family on her father's side has some sort of psychic, empathic, and or mediumistic ability. Bo starts seeming a little worried, especially at the empathic part. And then Mallory, full on, cards on the table, says, oh, but it's okay. I can't read you. Don't worry. And Bo is relieved. Well, from his perspective, it's like, I want her to know how much I'm into her, but I don't want her to know how much I'm into her all at once, because that might scare her away. Yes, we have to gentle the horse. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, kind of. Kind of, yeah. You're welcome. He seems totally fine and on board with all of this, which is relieving to Mallory. He seems to accept everything she says at face value at this point. They decide to end the evening. He takes her home, but then asks to stay over with her for the night just to hang out and be with her. And Mallory agrees. So no sex on the table here. It's fine. Bo orders Mallory to take a shower. I I just, again, (laughs) again, again, again. That's not how it's written in the book. But I was like, oh, I'm trying to take care of you. I can tell you're stressed. If you take a hot shower, it might make you feel better. You know, it's very benign. Yeah. But I'm like, where do you get off? Like, I'm going to take you home. I'm going to spend the night with you. I'm going to make sure you take a shower and I'm going to put you to bed. Like, okay, daddy. Thanks. Some people are into that. I mean, yeah, with consent. (laughs) Yeah. Dubious, maybe. Yeah. Mallory is fine with it she's she's totally into it she's in the shower she's thinking oh that's really sweet of him to know this (laughs) (laughs) to know I needed this that's really awesome go Bo I mean let's let's face it happens a lot in romance where the hero always knows what the heroine needs right yeah it's just an extension of that I never have to talk about anything because he just knows. (laughs) He has all the nose. (laughs) He has a nose. (laughs) It's not surprising that it manifests this way. I don't think. They sleep all innocently cuddled together. (laughs) While Mallory's asleep, she has a dream where her grandmother's braiding her hair in a field of flowers. She's unable to move in this dream, which is just terrifying to me. She's watching a tractor come into this beautiful flower field and cut down all the flowers. And then her grandmother who's braiding her hair says that Mallory may need to quote, lose Bo when the time arrives, unquote, but also don't worry, everything will work out and I'll always be there for you, Mallory. I'm always with you. And when Mallory wakes up, her hair is braided. I was so fucking disturbed by this dream. 
Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting in this field. It's beautiful. The sun is shining. There's flowers everywhere. There's someone braiding your hair. You can't move to look at them. <laughs> You hear the voice of your grandmother talking to you about something horrible while a tractor comes and kills all the beautiful flowers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was disturbing too because when you think like the grandmother saved children. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm always with you, but you can't see me unless you're ready. Like, motherfuck, really? <laughs> well, let's face it, Mallory hasn't been ready she has been wishing to see her grandmother this whole time she's able to Mm. see other ghosts she sees miss louisa why can't grandma show her fucking face for two seconds to give her granddaughter some comfort once in a while i don't get it it is so weird i don't think mallory really wants to because Uh. if mallory wanted to that would mean expanding her gifts which mallory is not interested in But Mallory's able to see other ghosts without opening up and using all her gifts. So her grandmother is essentially forcing her into it. No, bitch. If you're going to see me, you're going to have to open up. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You will see me on my terms. (laughs) (laughs) It just... I don't know. It didn't seem cuddly like we're supposed to think of the grandmother, I think. I mean, Mallory calls her grandmama for crying out loud. Why can't grandmama show her face without Mallory having to completely make herself vulnerable? I don't know. I don't know why the world worked that way. I don't know. It makes no sense. It really bothered me, as you can tell. Mm -hmm. When Bo and Mallory wake up together, they have the sex. And it's amazing and wonderful perfect in every way and then afterwards mallory tells Bo about girls night and initially i really liked this she tells him that girls night is going to be going to a strip club and she (laughs) makes up like this wild (laughs) story and it starts freaking Bo out a little bit because his one sister is the one he knows who has been abused and they're talking about how she's ready to let her freak flag fly or something and it's just like wow and then Mallory's like no no don't worry I'm just fucking with you actually we're gonna have a seance at Gabby's Inn (laughs) I really liked that I wish there was more of that in this story (laughs) yeah that was fun Bo is worried about the seance, too. Well, maybe I should be there just in case something happens. Mallory's like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Now it's the seance. Mallory has her friend Lena come with her to anchor her. That's another common thing in paranormal, empathic, mediumistic type stories that I've read where you have an anchor to keep you grounded in the real world. So all that jived for me. Lena fits in wonderfully with the group of ladies that we've met. There's so many names. I don't remember them all, but they're all wonderful and nice and friendly. Mallory very quickly gets everyone to believe that she's actually talking to ghosts. She talks to their uncle and references things that she has no way to know. And it goes well. There's a point where Bo calls her early on to check on her and she makes some reference to Bo and it kind of freaks him out a little bit because 
at this point of the story, he's like, well, I believe she believes it. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. As the seance comes to a close, Mallory's feeling tired. And as she's getting ready to close herself off again, she senses a being that isn't dead. And it's this evil presence. And it's very icky. But it's fine. She closed it out. Whatever. We don't need to tell anyone or worry about it. It's okay. It's fine. During the seance, Bo and Eli are playing pool at Ben's house. So here's some more name dropping. I mentioned Eli is Bo's brother. Ben is like a childhood friend who's basically their brother. And they're all discussing Mallory. They're gossiping like a group of hens. Bo is talking about, yeah, I don't really believe Mallory, but... I mean, I believe she's telling me the truth about her lived experience. Ben, however, is a total believer and recognizes the name, Mallory's last name, and is like, oh yeah, her grandma was a famous psychic who helped find missing kids. It's real. I believe all of it. Bo and Eli are both like, wow, we had no idea you knew this, Ben, or that you believed in this stuff. Weirdo. They don't say weirdo. They're fine with it. It's okay. No one cares. (laughs) The next day, Bo is trying to get a hold of Mallory to check on her. And again, he he needs another fix. He misses her. He needs to see her all the time, every day. Tell me that's not a red flag. (laughs) It's just because he loves her so much. They're not in an established relationship right now. There's no reason she needs to check in with him every day. Sure there is. They haven't had any conversations about it. It's because he has to make sure she's taken care of. Because, you know, she can't take care of herself. (laughs) And he takes perfect care of himself, so he should be able to be able to, you know, take care of her. Bo is getting worried because Mallory isn't at work. She took the day off and she's not answering her home. And so he goes to her house and starts ringing her doorbell to check on her. And he rings the doorbell multiple times. And then he's trying to talk himself out of you know, breaking the door down or whatever, like a crazy person. When she finally answers the door and she is visibly exhausted, like she is just dead to the world. This worries him. And so he asks if he can stay and work at her house and take care of her and keep an eye on her while she sleeps. And he changes her out of her sweaty, nasty clothes and puts her back to bed. And all of that is really freaking sweet, except that It's also really freaking creepy. Mm -hmm. While he's working at her house on his computer, Lena comes by to check on Mallory. See, Mallory already has somebody, Bo. It's okay. (laughs) But it's not him. It's subpar because it's not him. (laughs) Mallory has a nightmare while Lena's there and it kind of freaks everybody out a little bit, but... Mallory doesn't exactly wake up and Lena is like, oh, I can tell she's in excellent hands with you. I'll just leave you guys alone. It's fine. And then Bo is watching Mallory as she kind of calms down and is realizing that being with her makes him happy. It's it's possibly love. He's not using the L word yet, but I can feel that that's where he's going with this. And he remembers that Mallory feels has has even said that touching him calms her. So he gets in bed with her and is kind of pleasantly happy. Like he's pleased, he's pleased to confirm that when he's touching her and cuddling with her, she's not having nightmares anymore. And so he's 
sort of one-handedly works on his computer and does his work in bed with her, so she sleeps and rests successfully. When Mallory finally wakes up after sleeping all day, she remembers all these dreams that she had, which are basically memories of the spirit she contacted the day before. And she makes a conscious decision not to tell Bo about the unfriendly being who made contact at the end of the seance. But she's remembering all this. Bo takes care of her, you know, makes sure she's clean and not all wearing all sweaty nightmare clothes, pets her and feeds her and tells her all the sweet things. He goes down on her. It's it's just very, you know, he's taking care of her. He's he's being there for her. Mallory likes it. About a week goes by. Bo and Mallory are spending tons of time together. Mallory is starting to feel lovey-dovey toward Bo also. They take another visit to go check on Bo's house. And Mallory really enjoys watching Bo talk about his house. He's happy and into it and excited and boyish, I guess. And he wants Mallory's input on things, which she thinks is a little weird, but also cute. I'm going, girl, he's moving (laughs) you into his house. You know this, right? Like this is, this is where this is going. You know this, right? (laughs) Yes. Another couple days pass. He's bought the ring, everything. He's just looking for the hand. Now he's found the hand. Now he's <laughs> trying to pinch him together. <laughs> A few more days pass and Lena is kind of feeling worried about the evil someone who got into Mallory's head at the seance. And she's talking to Mallory about it. Like, maybe we should tell my grandma Sophia about this. Maybe this is a bigger deal than you're making it out to be. Mallory's like, no, it's fine. Whatever. I put up my walls. Eh. While they're chatting, Mallory gets a call from the police in New York. This lieutenant is the same person who worked with her grandmother before. And she really wants Mallory's help because these girls are going missing now. And Mallory's like, sorry, I can't help you. That is not in my purview. And Lena and Mallory kind of talk about that too after Mallory hangs up and Lena affirms Mallory's decision. Like, no, it is fine. You don't have to help people if you don't want to. You don't have to use your gifts if you don't want to. Mallory's feeling a little shitty about it, even though she doesn't have the specific power that her grandmother used. She still feels like maybe she's being a little selfish, not helping these people. Lena's like, no, no, don't worry about it. It's fine. Later... Um, Mallory and Bo are out and about and he tells her about a business trip he needs to take to Miami and he invites her along. She agrees. So they decide to make it a couple's weekend. And when they're in Miami, they go sailing. Mallory gets seasick. And this is the first sign of trouble in paradise because Bo's whole family works with ships. And how could he possibly want to be with someone who can't stand to be on a boat? Bo is like, no, it's okay. I still want you. Has she not heard of Ginger? (laughs) or like anti-nausea meds (laughs) she ended up using peppermint oil which helped sort of but apparently she just gets extreme motion sickness no matter what still like oh i can't go on a boat we can never make this work because you live on boats all the time yeah it just (laughs) i don't know i didn't get it (laughs) we had to have some reason for mallory to feel insecure yeah she has all the insecurities he has none yeah I know. He has insecurities. 
<laughs> no, I mean, we know he does anyway. It's like, wait, what are you doing? Where are you going? I have to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me all the truth all the yeah, time. It's just so weird. Like, her insecurities are about her self-worth. His insecurities are like, how can I control to make sure bad things don't happen? He doesn't want to control. He wants to protect. Mm. Mm-hmm. He is protector man. Mm-hmm. They go stay at the the family's cottage, which is like this giant mansion on the beach. Mallory's relieved because the spirits there seem nice. When they go inside, a ghost named Lacelle shows up. This ghost is dressed like a maid. Mallory's talking about Lacelle to Bo. Bo kind of freaks out a little bit like, oh, holy crap, this is a little too real. Lacelle was the housekeeper when Bo was little. And she actually died of a heart attack when she was reading Bo a bedtime story or something. So it was kind of traumatic. <laughs> kind of traumatic. LaSalle is there to apologize to Bo. She wants to apologize for leaving and dying while she was laying in bed with him, basically. <laughs> Sitting with him reading a book. I'm sorry I died while I was reading to you. <laughs> That was poor timing on my part. Because <laughs> I could totally control that. <laughs> Bo says, oh no, there's nothing to apologize for. And so LaSalle moves on. And Mallory feels nice and energized after this. Bo is feeling very in love with Mallory. They have a conversation about kids. Mallory is concerned about having kids because she doesn't want to pass down her abilities. She has not embraced them. She doesn't want to inflict them on any children she may have. Bo obviously wants children. Mallory's starting to pull away now. She's like, oh no, I can't be his baby mama. Bo comforts her, you know, no, I wouldn't possibly want anyone else. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But in his head, he's thinking, oh no, it's okay. You'll change your mind. <laughs> like that is in the text. that She's going to change her mind. He thinks that. Mm -hmm. That was disturbing to me. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, really? Must you? <laughs> if a woman tells you she doesn't want to have children, you just take her at her word, please. Nope. Women can't It doesn't think. fucking matter why. If she doesn't want children, she doesn't have to have children. Okay? Or she shouldn't have to. Anyway. Their thinking is wrong. It has <laughs> to be corrected. One way or another. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Miami trip is over. Now they're back at home. Mallory has this dream where she's visited by Bo's father. And this is a very sweet dream. The father is like, oh, yes, you're part of the family now. So I decided to introduce myself and show you all my memories. And he kind of takes her on this trip down memory lane. And it's really sweet. Mallory tells Bo's father that she's in love with Bo. Like she's realized this. Um, one of the memories is kind of important. Um, it's Bo's father giving like a coin to Bo that Bo still keeps in his pocket all the time. So that's kind of important. The rest of it is just like mostly sweet and, oh, look at the little kids growing up. And, oh, Bo's dad is so sweet because he, he won't move on till after his wife dies. He wants to be with her all the time, no matter what, and watch over her forever. <laughs> I wonder where Bo gets that from. No idea. And then after Mallory's done dreaming and she's awake, they go and she meets Bo's mom. Bo's mom is really nice. She seems awesome. 
Mallory asks to speak to her alone and says she has a message from Bo's father, which is basically like, yeah, he really loves you. But Bo's mom isn't weirded out by any of that at all. She's like, oh, no, I know he's always around watching me. I can smell him or feel his presence or whatever. So, okay. I'll be watching you by saying it's my favorite song. (laughs) Every breath you take. Um. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this... This episode is kind of taking a decidedly creepier turn than I thought it would when I was reading this book, because this book does not have the creepy overtones whatsoever. <laughs> it is the Halloween episode. <laughs> Maximize the creepy. <laughs> Speaking of creepy, we're finally going to get some. Woo-hoo! Two weeks have passed. <laughs> it is the anniversary of Grandmama's death. And Mallory is visiting Grandmama's grave with Sophia and Lena. While she's there, she opens herself psychically up all the way, hoping to finally see her grandmother again. See, this is what I'm saying. She wants to see her grandma. She's like, yes, come see me, grandma. Grandma's like, no, fuck you. Sophia says, no, your grandmother loved you fiercely. And Mallory replies, quote, not fiercely enough to stay. And Sophia asks, do you think she chose death over you? And Mallory has like this feeling of bitterness. She says, she chose to continue to use her gifts, knowing that it could one day be too much and take her away. So all of the emotions are rising. Mallory's upset. What do you think of Mallory's view of, or how she interprets her grandmother's actions and death? I think Mallory has abandonment issues, probably due to being an orphan. Mm -hmm. And then being raised by a grandmother who we, f- we find out why very shortly, but the grandmother has reasons for wanting to help find missing children and kind of shields Mallory from a lot of the power stuff because you get the impression that Mallory early on is not open to using her gifts. And the grandmother just lets that happen, which I think was maybe detrimental to Mallory's growth. Because she developed this view of using her powers that's very negative. And then that is only solidified by how her grandmother dies, you know, by using her powers or whatnot. Mm. I think that grandma did a disservice to Mallory by not saying, oh, yeah, you use your powers. This is how you protect yourself. But (laughs) you can't always (laughs) or something. I don't know. Like It's just I think that Mallory is very bitter I understand her feeling very bitter. I understand her feeling like, but what about me? Especially because her grandma was her only blood family whatsoever. You know, you care about these other people more than you care about me. You're going to go off and endanger yourself instead of stay and be with me and take care of me. And it's a very childlike point Mm -hmm. of view, kind of self-centered too, but I get it. And it makes sense for her character. I think, I think that, This moment when she's screaming, or I don't know if she's really screaming, but she's arguing with Sophia about whether or not her grandmother really loved her. I think this is probably the first point ever that Mallory's let any of this come out. Yeah. I think when her grandmother died, she locked all that stuff up really tight. And she's just now starting to let it out a little bit more because she's started revealing her powers to people and discovering you know no it's actually safe some people are okay with it and i'll do this seance and actually that was fine she's starting to open herself up just barely 
the teeniest amount. And I think that's bringing up all of this repressed emotion and betrayal and bitterness that she feels surrounding the circumstances of her grandmother's death. Honestly, I really liked this scene, like this mm-hmm. point. I thought this was a really powerful scene. I thought that it made a lot of sense for Mallory as a character. I don't really agree with her point of view, but I get why she feels that way. What about you? I think and feel similarly. Like, I don't agree with the conclusion that she comes to, but I think it makes sense for her character. Yeah, especially because her grandmother died when Mallory was 16. So she wasn't even an adult at that point. And she stayed locked up for 10 years just stewing. Yeah, basically. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like, she's a young 26. Like, she... Yeah. I don't think she really embraced her adulthood. No, and I think this relationship with Bo is kind of bringing some of that to the fore as well, because she's being really open with him. She's trusting him. She's finally found somebody who can physically touch her without freaking her the fuck out. And she's reveling in that. So Mallory is is really upset and she's psychically open. She's, she wants to see her grandma. And then suddenly this evil presence washes over Mallory and kind of paints everything red. All she sees is red. She kind of gets like tunnel vision sort of. And then all of a sudden, like Sophia and... And Lena are there and Sophia is magicking away the evilness and manages to protect Mallory. And then Mallory and Lena finally tell Sophia about the evil being that popped up at the seance. And Sophia, I think, is rightfully angry. She's like, why the F did you not tell me this sooner? Hello, (laughs) I am the witchiest, most badass witch ever And here you are not telling me about evil presences in your mind. Can we maybe be a little more open about that, especially considering how your grandmother died? When they go home, they talk some more about how Mallory's grandmother died. And Sophia gives a little bit more insight into the grandmother and says that the reason she devoted her life and used her abilities to find missing children was because her own daughter was kidnapped and then murdered at the age of five. So the grandmother could not find, psychically find her daughter. And so she spent her lifetime honing these abilities to be able to prevent other people having that same experience. The evil presence that was in grandma's head was an evil psychic. So the murderer that grandma was trying to stop is also psychic and managed to get into grandma's head and kill her that way, which we talked about earlier. That man was in a hospital for the criminally insane, but is now free. And Sophia knows this because she can see him magically or something. And this guy is out murdering kids again, which is related to the phone calls and emails and such that Mallory has been getting from New York. And Sophia suspects that Mallory is being targeted by the psychic psycho (laughs) because he's worried that Mallory will take on her grandma's life work and try to stop him. So we get a little bit of an info dump. I think it was really needed. I like this presence of this evil being. Oh no, what is Mallory going to do now that she's finally maybe going to use her powers and whatnot? This happens, I would say... 
at least halfway through mm-hmm. the story. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, by the way, there's a psychic yeah. psycho. Yeah. Coming to kill you. We do know about it because that's <laughs> how the, her grandma died. But yeah, I yeah, mean, it, we do. it's really not a thing for a really long time. Yep. The info dump was definitely necessary. I just, as the reader, I was a little disappointed that it took that long. Yeah, I would have liked a few more hints coming up. Because really, we get the prologue, where we find out how the grandma died. We get the evil presence at the seance. There's some point where Lena and Mallory discuss it, and Mallory says it's fine. But that's Mm -hmm. it. And I think that it would have been cool if Mallory was sensing like this evil shadow in her brain from time to time. Yeah, because I mean, theoretically, the psycho psychic knew who he killed and would know that she has a grandmother and could would want to keep tabs on her or granddaughter. Sorry. Yeah. It made little sense to me that like, oh, now now it's more of a thing. I mean, I get like her having to accept a certain amount of her gifts before but still it just yeah it took too long okay so we're still having the conversation with mallory lena and sophia and mallory is talking about all the downsides of her gifts and she's like the glass is half empty you're telling me it's half full but it's half empty and sophia says and i really liked this quote she says the point is the glass is refillable Fill your glass with the love of your man, your successful shop, and your family and friends. Then, when the glass empties because of the unpleasantness of your gifts, go back to those places and fill it up again. I really like that. Me too. It doesn't have to stay half empty, Mallory. (laughs) That's the thing with the glass. It can be refilled. That is its function. Yes. It's not a one-use thing where you get it and then break it. (laughs) I mean, you could. I think Mallory would. Like She's like, no, I hate you. You are empty now. Crash. Short-term response to a long-term problem. <laughs> While all this is happening, Bo finds a kitten on his doorstep and decides he's going to adopt it and give it to Mallory. And he does. And she ends up naming it Binks. <laughs> this, I think, this whole scene is one of those where... Mallory finally kind of woke up a little bit and she's all, why are you giving me a cat? You don't know anything about how I feel about cats or pets mm-hmm. or if I'm allergic or anything. But, and but what the hell? You know? So it should be and fine because b- you're all witchy, right? Oh, wait, you're not a witch. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Bo sort of redeems himself because he's like, well, you know, if you don't want him, I'll give him to my sister. I know she would like him. It's fine. So he's like, no, I'm not trying to force this cat on you. I just thought you'd like it. And Mallory's like, oh, actually, you're right. I do like it. It's great. I love him. His name is Binks now. Yay, Binks. (laughs) Another couple days later, Mallory is out with the girls on another girls night. She is super drunk. She calls Bo to come pick her up. And he does, of course. And she kind of accidentally tells him she loves him, which he doesn't really respond to, which was good, I think, because he knew she was drunk. A couple days later, after that, Bo and Mallory have dinner with Gabby, his sister, and Reese, Gabby's husband, I think another prior couple, at their inn. And while they're there, Larissa, who is a ghost, shows up to talk to Mallory. 
And while Mallory's talking to Larissa, everything else kind of seems to disappear. Mallory is kind of on like this ghostly plane, I think, sort of. She hears a man's voice behind the house and she goes with Larissa to investigate. She finds out that Larissa this whole time has been looking for her lost love and has never been able to find him. Mallory wants to help her. She goes outside. Larissa isn't able to leave the house. She finds some other spirits and one of them warns her away. By the way, all these spirits are slaves that Bo's family owned back in the day. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Mallory discovers the yelling man is Douglas, Larissa's love, but Douglas hasn't been able to find Larissa either because he's not allowed to go in the house. All of a sudden the red glow comes back and then Mallory's grandma shows up and she's like, no, actually Larissa and Douglas are being punished and that's why they can't find each other, which is just really fucked up. And like, why is this in this story right now? I don't understand. <laughs> I didn't dislike it, but it seemed weird. Like, oh, by the way. Yeah, I mean, in a fluffy feel-good story, it was a little weird to be like, here are lovers that don't get to be together. These lovers are forever yeah. apart. I was like, oh. Doesn't their unlife suck? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, she's not bringing up kidnapped and abused children. Granted, off page, the darkness was already let in. It's clear now that the psychic psycho killer is fa 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 is back after Mallory. Psycho killer. Grandma says Larissa and Douglas can help, but Mallory needs to open her mind up all the way to save herself. But beware, Mallory, if you do that, you won't be able to close off your powers anymore. Larissa and Douglas turn into like blue mist and start fighting the red light. And Mallory's opening up all her powers and Sophia and Lena somehow show up and everyone's chanting and the the blue misty ghosts are swirling in the red light and all of a sudden the evil red light explodes and then grandmother says, oh good, we killed him, he's dead now and I can see where all the missing girls are. Here they are, Mallory, just so you know, FYI. But now it's time for me to move on. You no longer need me, Mallory. And so Mallory gets to say goodbye to her grandmother or has to say goodbye to her grandmother, really. And then her grandmother moves on. I was just like, what the <laughs> fuck, Grandma? I was really? wondering what your thoughts on that was going to be. <laughs> WTF. <laughs> this whole time you've been telling her, oh, you'll see me when you're ready. You'll see me. I'm always with you, blah, blah. And then the second Mallory's finally able to see her and interact with her and have the things she wanted to have, Grandma's like, nope, bye, I'm out. <laughs> Dude, no wonder Mallory feels bitter. I yeah. would too. <laughs> yeah, this is very frustrating and anticlimactic <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so while Mallory's going through all that, Bo and Gabby and Reese are wondering what the hell is going on right now because Mallory has gotten up from the table where they were all eating dinner and started talking to somebody they can't see and walking out of the house. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bo gets a call on Mallory's phone, I think, from Lena. Lena tells him that she and Sophia are on their way because they can tell the psychic psycho is after Mallory. And when they get there, Lena directs Bo to hold Mallory to ground her 
And then they all join hands and Mallory is saved. So that's their perspective. When Mallory comes back to the living world, I guess, she immediately calls the police in New York to tell them where the missing girls are. So she's completed her grandmother's work successfully. Yay. And it's fine because he's dead now. (laughs) (laughs) Mallory is resting. Fair enough. Bo goes to talk to his mom. They're at the inn, I guess, still. I'm really confused about where everyone is at this point. But the mom is there. Bo is talking to her. That's the important part. <laughs> yeah, just focus on that. He's telling his mom how he feels butthurt that Mallory didn't tell him how her grandmother had died or about this psychic psycho person. And he's feeling scared because what if he can't protect her? And his mom's like, um, hello, that's not your job. She's a full grown <laughs> woman. Don't worry. And he's like, but I love Mallory, but she shut me out. How can I trust her? How can I be protector man if I don't know what the danger is? Mallory comes in and she kind of, I think, knew this was going to happen because she's like, she was psychic. Hi, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I see you talking to your mom. (laughs) Bo's mom is like, bye, I'll let you guys handle this. (laughs) Mallory tells Bo basically everything about the psychic psycho and how she couldn't help the police before because she can't see the living, only dead people. And that she hadn't told him any of this before because she didn't really think there was anything he could have done to help her anyways because the psycho was in New York and only present here in her head. And, you know, she's like, I would never do anything to put your family in danger. I love you. I didn't withhold information from you because I didn't trust you. It's because I didn't know what to tell you. And then Bo is like, I want you to tell me literally everything, all of the things. Every single little thing. Just be like a faucet that's always on. All of your thoughts just come out like water running all the time. He also tells her he loves her too. And then he asks her to move into his new house with him, which called it. (laughs) Mallory accepts. So they're fine. It's okay. Except Bo isn't really fine. He's still a little angsty. He wakes up in the middle of the night and goes to visit his dad's grave. And he's wanting to ask his dad for advice. But can't because his dad is dead and he feels unsettled. And in my notes, I have, how can he be protector man? (laughs) That's all he really wants out of life, folks. He wants to be Mallory's protector man. He is defining himself by her safety. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Mallory has woken up and comes to find him. She says, oh, your dad is with me. And Bo says, that's impossible. My father is dead. And Mallory's like, oh, he doesn't believe me after all. I am sad. (laughs) And then she tells Bo, just hold the coin in your pocket and think of your dad and then come find me when this when you're done. And Bo's like, what the (laughs) fuck? Mallory leaves. Bo does. He holds the coin in his pocket. And then all of a sudden he can hear his father's voice and see his father. And now Bo has actual proof like personal proof that mallory sees dead people so while he's always kind of believed her he actually truly believes her now bo and his dad get to have a much needed heart to heart bo's dad is like dude you can't always control everything go be with the woman you love it's fine (laughs) bo gets the reassurance he needs he feels better now 
He goes to find Mallory. He apologizes. He's like, I do believe you. I just didn't know how to help you. And that's why I was upset. And Mallory's like, but you do help me because you call me and you're wonderful. I accept your apology. And actually, I'm sorry because I didn't tell you what was going on. And then they make up and make love and it's sweet. And then three months pass. It's Christmas Eve. Mallory's closing up her shop and finally talks to Miss Louisa. Remember Miss Louisa from the beginning who knocked down the mirror? Turns out Miss Louisa is a ghost that didn't know she was dead. And she thought Mallory was the ghost. It's a big old thing. And Mallory's like, oh, well, I can show you the light. Here it is. And Miss Louisa moves on and is happy. How fucking terrifying would that be to be a ghost stuck in that sort of reality? It's like, yeah, her story <laughs> sounded real interesting. Dude. I was like, oh, I know. Bye. <laughs> bye, Miss Louisa. Mallory goes home to the house that she lives in with Bo now and discovers Bo has made a special dinner for them and he proposes and she accepts and yay. And then we get an epilogue, but it's from Ben's perspective, because I think he's going to be the next book's hero. It's a month later, Bo and Mallory are getting married, and Ben is pining after Savannah, who is one of Bo's sisters. The end. Ta-da! I talked about a lot of this stuff that I have in my notes during the summary, but I kind of want to just touch on it and see if there's anything else we need to say. So like I said at the beginning, this is the fifth book in a series, so it's not really a standalone, even though we kind of hoped it maybe would be a bit more standalone. There's a lot of cameos. I didn't really care about them because I didn't know them. And I'm hoping slash suspecting that Bo and maybe Mallory were both sort of developed over the course of earlier books where you kind of get an impression of who they are a little bit. I mean, at least Bo, because he's one of the siblings that the series is about and probably Mallory from the prior book because she's a friend with Charlie and I think I really said all I wanted to say but just so you know a lot of this a lot of the criticism about like underdeveloped characters I think at least for all the side characters that's just due to them being cameos from prior books And so I'm going to give the author a pass on all the secondary characters, aside from Lena and Sophia, of course, because I think they were introduced in this book. I think so, too. But I mean, who knows? Yeah, I don't know for sure. And were Bo and Mallory very developed? I feel like we kind of missed out a lot on Mm. Bo. We're told that he's like this high-powered workaholic CEO guy. They're super rich. He runs the family business. He's the oldest sibling. But I don't really get any of that. All I get is just like he's lovey-dovey, completely besought with Mallory from the very first page. Essentially works to finagle her into his life. And then Mallory, she's more developed than Bo. But again, she's instantly like she's met Bo before the book starts. So I think that she probably met Bo in the prior book. Probably. But she has like these feelings about Bo that she's already realized before the book starts. So that was kind of weird. Just jumping into the middle of the series too. Another thing I wanted to talk about, which I did bring up earlier too, was how this was a very fluffy 
cozy story and then you get to the middle and it's like oh by the way there's a psychic psycho in your head and he's gonna kill you (laughs) but he never actually does anything he's just there and then there's the whole angst with mallory she's so closed off about her gifts she sees her grandma as like abandoning her and there's not really a lot of angst on the page. I think there's that one scene when they're visiting grandma's grave, when she really opens up about it. But the rest of the time, she's very closed off about it. And I feel like we would have benefited from a little bit more angst in this story, especially as Mallory starts to open up about using her yeah. powers. Well, how was the audiobook? So the audiobook was good. It was narrated by Rachel Fuliginetti and Zachary Weber. I feel like they, like I said, they did a good job. They embodied the characters really well. Yeah, it sounded like you kind of got a bit of an imp- a different impression of the characters than I did based on the narration. I mean, that's not totally uncommon. But yeah, I didn't think it was bad. It was just one way to look at the characters. I think it's interesting. I know we've talked about this on prior episodes too, how the narration brings something extra to the story. You get you get the interpretation of the characters from someone else. Yeah, like Mallory's character, I think she was supposed to, like I said, be a little more worldly maybe, but things were at odds. How maybe the character was trying to get interpreted, but it didn't sometimes match up with what was on the page necessarily. But maybe that's just me. Are you happy for them? They seem happy, so yay! Oh, it's one of those. <laughs> one of those. What about you? Uh, I'm I'm happy for them. I, I I don't know. I think the story kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I think it's just my own biases or whatever. I would not be happy in a relationship with someone like Bo. That's fair. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm not Mallory. And yeah. And honestly, when I was reading the book last night, Like the whole time I was reading, oh, this is such a cute story. Oh, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's only after I took notes and started talking about it to you. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Sorry. (laughs) That it's like, I mean, there were things, you know, there were things that pinged my radar or whatever, but I was just like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fluffy. It's really good. You know, it's really like when you sit there and you really have to think about it and dig into it that I start to pull it apart. And I'm just like, oh, are they though? I don't know. But honestly... My impression when I closed the book was, yay. So, yeah, I'm happy for them. (laughs) Yay. So let's rate them. How do you rate Mallory? I put her as awesome. And yes, I do understand that that she is from a previous book. You know, there may have been development or whatnot that happened before. However, I feel like that shouldn't matter (laughs) so much. This is her book. Yeah, it's so. her book. She should be given center stage, and she was. I still feel like the character was awkward. I don't think it's because I'm missing something from previous books. Yeah. That could be wrong, you know, because I don't have all the information. I didn't go back and, and listen to any previous books. However, I I, I feel like it's more... More of a story issue, more of a develop a writer development issue than it is a problem with anything else. I agree with you. While I went and did a whole apology tour just a few moments ago about how, you know, we are jumping into the middle of the story or whatever, 
it is important to know, like you said, this is the book where these characters take center stage. So really, it shouldn't matter as far as those two are concerned. There should be enough development on the page mm-hmm. to get a good sense of who they both are. Yeah, I, I think we got a sense of who they are. It was just, they were either holes in it, or maybe it's because it's a paranormal romance in a series that isn't a paranormal romance series. <laughs> I don't know. I think Mallory was awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for much the same reasons you said. She had a lot of interesting things and a lot about her that I would like to know more about. There were a lot of things that were positive about her. Like she liked her body, even though it wasn't necessarily perfect. And and she's a successful businesswoman at the age of 26. Mm -hmm. She has close relationship with her BFF and all that. And what I feel was really missing from the story for Mallory was more about her coming to terms with who she is Mm -hmm. because she's not a quote normal girl she is a psychic girl yeah and she doesn't really have a whole lot of headspace about that in this book um it's like all of a sudden she's like okay well i guess i'll use my powers yay yeah (laughs) and it would make sense if the baddie had been looming over her since she was 16 it would make sense why she would retreat yeah because in the absence of of that what you have is a girl who she isn't a girl she's 26 but who is still processing all the grief that she's had to deal with her parents dying in the car accident so at three years old she went to live with her grandmother her grandmother making choices that led to her death which it could be argued mm-hmm. the parents did the same thing yeah. you know to a little kid which granted 16 is a little kid but to a young person that can seem like why do these people want to leave me mm-hmm. but she's not you know so she's not dealing with that what she's doing is saying well fine i'm not gonna go go see you either yeah this isn't really addressed in the book but it's like it does raise the question. She can't see other ghosts. Why can't she see her grandmother? Is it just that her grandmother isn't manifesting? Or is Mallory blocking her on some deliberate level that she doesn't realize because she's not addressing her powers? Yeah, because the other, the witches, Lena and Sophia, can both see the grandma. Mm-hmm. That's why I thought maybe it was deliberate on Mallory's part on an unconscious level. Yeah, maybe so. And, and the grandmother is just like, yep, yep, it's my fault. Maybe she sees that as, well, I didn't train her or I didn't do this. And I, so ultimately it is my fault kind of thing. Maybe she's taking the blame for things that she doesn't need to. None of this is really explored. It's just, I mean, it could have been, but it wasn't because the focus was on the romance. Right. So. There just wasn't enough angst for Mallory, for me. Yeah. Um, I wanted some more emotional depth. I wanted to know that journey that you talked about, you know, I wanted to experience some of that with her, but it wasn't there. But I mean, from a surface level perspective, she was, she was fine. She was good. Yeah. What about Bo? How do you rate him? I put him as Oxum too. <laughs> He's decidedly, in, in my opinion, less developed than Mallory. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it could be because he's 
more developed in, in the other books, but I doubt it because those other books are supposed to be dealing with the other characters, the other couples. So I doubt really there would be much more. It's it's very awkward to me when they have the meet cutes in other books. Like you can have the other characters appear in the series and sort of tease it, but I think sometimes it does a disservice to have the meet cutes in other books. For for him specifically, I don't know, he just wasn't very interesting. <laughs> what what is so interesting about him? He has money. Well, that's not interesting. He wants to take care of her. That's great, but it's almost borderline creepy. But I don't know if that's just because it's like the stereotypical, he'll always know what she needs. So just chill, horsey. I don't, I don't know. Meh. I rated Bo awkward. I totally get where you're coming from as far as character development in earlier books. And I just want to clarify what I expect from earlier books is that he was probably a side character in those books. And we probably have a little bit of backstory by virtue of that. I don't mean like super in-depth character development, but I think that some of that would have helped, like some of that knowledge of who he is as a person mm-hmm. in this book would have helped a lot. It would have gone a long way. I think I think that he showed up in this book and we were supposed to already know who he was. And so the author didn't need to introduce him to us because we already knew who he was. To a certain extent, he just felt like a standard protector supporter guy, which is great that he wants to support and be all nice and stuff. But like I said, it it almost got creepy, hence the awkward. He was definitely a protector man, for sure. Totally protector man. And he was definitely very sweet. I liked that that he was unabashedly flirty with Mallory I mean on a surface level without the creepiness yes that I interject into it um, <laughs> me too it's okay <laughs> I like the whole oh you know oh he's so sweet with her he he makes it clear that he's into her yes. I like yeah that, that was sweet for sure but yeah there wasn't a whole lot of depth to him whatsoever and there is some stuff that the author could have gone into like why does he care so much about this full, complete transparency? Why is that such a big deal to him? Yeah. I would have loved to have more about like his relationship with his dad. It was hinted at a little bit, but he's the oldest kid. He feels all this responsibility for his family. He looked up to his dad and his dad isn't there. And he feels like this big hole in his life. So much so that he carries around this memento of his dad in his pocket all the time. And that's like hardly touched on whatsoever, just at the end, really. I think there was an opportunity that was missed a little bit there. Do you think there were issues with... Okay, so he is Protector Man. Do you think there was enough in the story that he had to protect her from? That's a good question, and I think it's a valid question. And I think that's part of what his insecurity was, is that he wants to protect. He is a Protector Man, but there isn't anything for him to do. Where's the fire? Yeah, he's protector man. He's ready. He's like, throw me at the thing. I will protect. Yeah, Mr. But fix it with no problem. He can't. With it. Yeah. I mean, there's the flood, yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean. The little flood. As far as the tropiness goes, that's definitely what he was as far as a what type of hero. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's where his angst was supposed to come from. And I mean, that was touched on a little bit too toward the end, especially when he talked to his mom and... Later, his dad, you know, like, I'm protector man, but no protect. <laughs> ah. 
And they're like, yeah, it's okay. You are not responsible for anyone else. You can do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what about the antagonists slash villains? So for me, the antagonists were, of course, the psycho. And I wouldn't... I put him as awkward because I'm not clear. I know he was supposed to be threatening, but I feel like as we discussed it, there wasn't enough there for me to be disturbed by it. Except, I mean, that dream, that mowing down the flowers, that was disturbing. But apart from that, he's defeated in the end, but I'm really not entirely sure how, how that happened. I just know that he was. Magic happened. And then, to a certain extent, Bo... Yeah. Certainly his protect control thing, which is a little awkward. And maybe part of the problem is that it was there. Yeah, there was a threat, but I mean, it wasn't even that much of a thing in the book. No. I mean, yeah, it's not his bailiwick as far as like what he could feasibly protect her from, a.k.a. weaponry or money problems. What about you? So I put the psychic psycho as ineffective. So I kind of rated him awful. Mm, Okay. I thought it was bad. Like, I didn't think he was well done at all. (laughs) That's fair. And and maybe this is just my penchant for paranormal crime (laughs) novels rearing its ugly head or something. But I have seen this sort of evil done much better, much more creepy, much more interesting, much more present. And we didn't get hardly any of that in this book. Yeah. I think that a big issue with it is that he really isn't a part of the story until we're halfway through. Not as far as Mallory's concerned. Yeah. He's mentioned in the beginning and then he doesn't become a thing until over halfway through. And I'm not really knocking the whole fight at the end with the ghosts being the blue mist and the red light and the blah, blah, blah. And I mean, that was fine. It was okay. It could have been better. It could have been worse. It was okay. But there's some of it. But I mean, it was fine. I just really like there was no dread. Yeah. There were no stakes that I could see. Big, big red X over psychic psycho. He was not good. I also listed kind of both Bo and Mallory, Mm. which I don't like to do this because we've talked about before, but Bo's got his obsessive protector man instincts. And then Mallory is like, No, I shall not work through my trauma. So they kind of both, to an extent, cause the story to happen. They do the antagonist job in that way. Like Mallory's lack of practicing her powers, for example, makes this whole thing an issue later when she decides, oh, I'll just decide to do a seance for no reason at all. (laughs) And then Bo's whole, like, she's perfect for me, but... How can I make her need me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, dude, the fact that she wants you should be enough. Maybe, maybe if I hobble her in some way. Or maybe, maybe my oh, God, geez. the author could yeah. hobble her in some way and then she'll need me. <laughs> Shades of misery right there. <laughs> they were okay. Like awkward, I guess. And then I put grandma oh, on the list. Mm-hmm. I am just super pissed at grandma throughout this whole book. We get this impression that she's supposed to be, you know, this wonderful, loving mother figure to Mallory and all this, but she just seems horrible. Oh, I go help missing children because my daughter died. 
So I'm obsessed with that. I'm not going to worry about the girl that is in my care. I'm going to worry about all this other stuff going on. I mean, who knows if that's really what happened, but that's where my brain went, partly because Mallory feels so bitter about it. And then she tells Mallory before she dies, I will always be with you. I'll be here. You'll be able to see me when you're ready and all that. And then she isn't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as far as Mallory can tell, at all present in her life until partly through the story when Mallory starts having dreams where her grandma is coming to talk to her and stuff. And those dreams are fucking creepy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot, Grandma. (laughs) Freak me the fuck out in my dreams. Thanks. Appreciate it. Love you. And then when she finally, finally, finally shows the fuck up and protects Mallory from the evil psychic psycho that is her fault that Mallory is being targeted, by Mm -hmm. the way. I mean, that that I think is is objective. It is grandma's fault that she didn't protect Mallory enough. How the fuck did the psychic psycho know Mallory existed? I'm sorry. Come on, grandma. Before you go out chasing psychic killers, maybe make sure that your psychic granddaughter is protected. Thank you. Because you are a well-known psychic hunter person. And they they could find you. Yeah. And then meanwhile... She fi- and so she finally shows the fuck up, rescues Mallory, cleans up her own damn mess, and then she's all, bye, peace out. <laughs> it made me so angry. It was like, dude, can you not be there for your granddaughter at all? At all. <laughs> and then you lie, and you're like, yeah, I'll be there with you always. Oh, I'll watch over you. Oh, you can see me when you need to. Bitch, please. Mallory needed to see you at your gravesite when she opened her brain up super wide so that she could find you finally, and you were not there. <laughs> yeah. It would have been better to, oh, yeah, have Grandma, like, trying to get at her like clawing to get to her but then there's like this evil force that pulls her back something that made it so that grandma couldn't do that yeah because it just seems like grandma's like yeah no i'm just fucking with you mallory yeah no your feelings screw them i'm still obsessed with my dead daughter ouch which i mean okay that that was unkind i'm sorry if she lost i mean she lost her daughter It was obviously very traumatic and life-changing for her. I get that. I understand that. But you have a kid in your care. If you're not able to provide the care that this child needs, find them someone else. Yeah. She says sent her over to her friend's house, to Lena's house. Sophia is way more of a mom to Mallory than I think her grandmother ever was. Yeah, I agree. So that's how I feel about grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I have to rate her awkward because I don't think it was intentional by the author. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) If it was, then awesome. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But if it was unintentional, then awkward. (laughs) Yes, agreed. (laughs) Do you have feelings about the grandma? Not as strongly, but now that I've... (laughs) heard your your thoughts on it yeah i feel more strongly (laughs) my thoughts (laughs) your thoughts your feels your assessment my diatribe (laughs) that too (laughs) my anger your rant (laughs) my rant 
<laughs> that was a little ranty. It was. <laughs> it's fine. God knows I've had my rants. Uh, <laughs> you're you're uh, entitled to have them too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm shaking. Oh wow, like that that took a lot out of me. Deep breath. <laughs> She's fictional. <laughs> she can't get you. <laughs> Her indifference okay. is not your problem. <laughs> okay, um, how did you rate the book? Uh, well, I gave the book a three. I enjoyed it okay. It was definitely more romance than than spooky, which I was kind of hoping for more spooky. But, you know, it was alright. What about you? I also rated it a three. So, in stark contrast... To everything I just said, <laughs> when I was reading the book last night, I read it in one sitting. I really enjoyed it. I laughed. I thought it was fun. It was fluffy. It was cute. I closed the book and I was like, aw, yay, maybe I'll read the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. So all of that, yay. But then you start to look yeah. deeper. I start to look deeper. And there's a lot of stuff missing. There's a lot of holes there. And so I don't think it's fair to rate it like I would if it was marketed more as like a crime killer type of book. Mm -hmm. I think if it were, I probably would have rated it lower. But since it's a romance with a touch of paranormal crime stuff. No. Okay. I wish there was more crime and killing. Yes. It's a side of crime <laughs> to the romance dish. <laughs> romance with crime on the side way on the yeah. side edge of the table but it was cute and i would recommend starting with the first book if you're interested at all yes well did you feel romanced in spite of myself yeah Yay! like as fucking creepy as i made Bo out to be he really isn't like when you read the book he's not no i think that's a reader thing i don't think that's intended yeah he's perfect wonderful gentle attentive good in bed you know, all the things. I mean, their chemistry was good. I wish, like you said, the meet cute happened on the page instead of elsewhere. But right away, they were sparking and there was a little bit of denial, especially on Mallory's part. I liked the thing with Bo trying to get her to open up to him and hey, yeah, no, I'm really into you. I'm going to show you how into you I am. Normally, I really, really like that kind of thing. I think that there were just a few things about how it was written that rubbed me the wrong way. And really that was only upon deeper consideration. You know, reading it, it's like, oh, he really likes her. How cute. He wants her to know how sexy she is. Aw. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suspect I know, but were you romanced, Em? No. no. <laughs> I mean, I, I dig the vibe, the New Orleans vibe. Like, I definitely wanted a beignet. Yeah. Side of spooky. That's kind of what those. I was hoping for more spooky. I'm not, I don't know if that would have helped me feel Same. romanced. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. No. I mean, they, they had chemistry. But I just, I was like, yeah. I didn't feel it. I wasn't invested. But that's not really surprising. Well, what else have you been reading? Well, I haven't read it yet, but I have it ready to start, which is it's the next book in this series is called Easy Fortune. It follows Lena and her love interest, Mason. Oh. So it's another romance leading 
I'm hoping for spooky, but I really don't think it'll be there because the, the audiobook is like two hours long, so I doubt it. I don't know. Like, I want more information or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I liked Lena, and I really liked her grandma. And I don't think Mason was in this book at all. So whoever he is, I guess I'll meet him. Yeah, Lena was cool. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of, I'm intrigued. Intrigued enough to, to continue with that. The other thing that I'm recommending, and I really think you should listen to this. So I remember in history class, when my teacher, I don't think we had the same teachers for history, where he's talking about the H.G. Wells classic War of the Worlds as read by Orson Welles where he did that like radio performance yes the the famous infamous radio performance oh my gosh at the time I I don't think we listened to it in class or if we did I was not paying attention that day that was one of my uh, fuck it whatever I'm sleeping days or something I don't know I was not mentally present so I went and listened to that because I just I don't know I was curious My history teacher at the time was saying how people got caught up in the panic. Like, they really Mm. thought they were getting attacked by aliens. Like, they were running outside. They were freaking out. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, my gosh, the stupid people from history. (laughs) As you do. You're like, oh, silly, ignorant people of history. You just did not know. How could you have been so foolish? And how could you get duped so easily? Yeah, no, I get it now. (laughs) (laughs) So after listening, like, I found myself, like, getting caught up, you know, going, this is fiction. (laughs) Like, I know this. (laughs) I clicked the thing. I'm listening to it. I know it's not real. This is, I was not one of those people that believed in the Blair Witch movie being real either. Like, I'm like, come on, it's in the cinema. You know, it's not real. Come on. But yeah, no, it's, I, I, I get it. It's, it's, there's the attack. And then what I wasn't expecting was the aftermath, the creepy aftermath. Oh, yeah. You t- I don't want to go into it anymore because I really, really want you to listen to it. And then we can talk about it. It's really good. Orson Welles did a really good job. He and those that helped him. Well, I will have to listen to it. I wanted to um, jump on your wreck, Ooh. though, because I wanted to know if you have ever listen to the musical war of the worlds i haven't i want to now it is a maze omg where might i find (laughs) if you listen to like the later one like the later version of it the narrator is liam (gasps) interesting Uh uh-huh crazy yeah yeah no i'm very interested now yeah i'll have to I will have to go look. So if you're interested, it's called Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. Look into that. And it's like a rock, a rock musical. (laughs) How cool. For my recommendation, I recently finished Real Bad Things by Kelly J. Ford. And this is not a romance. Mm. It is a mystery slash thriller. And it's also got LGBT themes because the protagonist is a lesbian. Mm. The main character, Jane, when she was a kid, her mom married an abusive drunk. Mm. At some point, he disappeared under suspicious circumstances. And Jane thought somebody she wanted to protect killed him. Mm. And so... She confessed to his murder as a 16-year-old or whatever. 
but she ended up not getting charged because they were unable to find a body. And so they were like, well, maybe he just ran off or whatever. Okay. 25 years later, a body surfaces due to the river flooding. Mm -hmm. And now everything is coming back to the fore. Jane is now in her 40s. She's returned to her small town to basically make sure that her story stays the way she told it. Mm -hmm. But she wasn't the only one involved. And they may have different reasons for wanting the story to be a certain way. And it's just, it's good. It's really good. I guess trigger warning for abusive, neglectful parents. Mm. But it is a thriller, so... <laughs> yeah, but Jane is a really interesting character, and then it's actually told through two different perspectives her and then also one of the other people that was involved. Okay, that's it for this time. Check out our website, romancepodcast.com, for our show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. Don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify, or come find us on Twitter at RomanceBeCast. Speaking of Twitter, were you romanced by Bo and Mallory's story? Let us know what you think. And of course, join us next time when we discuss 10 Trends to Seduce Your Best Friend by Penny Reed. Bye. Yay, Penny Reed. <laughs> bye. Related by who? Could that be a bot? <laughs> I don't know. That's a thing. That's not a thing. I don't know. I guess. <laughs>